Okay. Tell me when. When. <laughs> I just read a quote. Tiger will win one tour event and do well to finish in the top 30. He's not ready to handle all the pressures of the majors. Dick Harmon, 1997. <laughs> I was going to say, wait, wait. In the, as you were starting, I said, well, that makes sense. A lot of dudes have gone to live, so he could be, and then, yeah. <laughs> Here's another one. Uh, David Ledbetter. Tiger is a tremendously talented athlete, but unfortunately, athleticism doesn't make one a winner. Right now, Tiger is a one-dimensional player who swings full on practically every shot. Another thing that's going to prevent Tiger Woods from winning a major is all the pressure. There's a big difference between winning in Las Vegas and winning in Augusta. Tiger has got to get used to being in or near the top on a Sunday. He'll have to pay his dues first. It'll be a while before he wins a major. Also, that was David Ledbetter in 1997. Tiger Woods won at Augusta by 12 shots two months later. Yeah, uh, over, because he was paired with Ledbetter's prized uh, pupil at that point. He had Faldo late in his career. And uh, I have a little bit of a backdrop on David Ledbetter because my high school team played against his academy. And, of course, they were good players, but that dude was such a douche. Oh, my God. He tells you how many people he's taught. You know, if you follow all that stuff on, like, I follow a lot of golf Instagram and you tr- you're always trying to get like tips and stuff, but he he begins every one of his with "I've taught the greatest players in the world," yeah. and then he just goes from there. It's great. No, my coach, um, my coach wasn't anything special, like in terms of the coaching game. He was a high school golf coach, and he knew that. Mm-hmm. But we were on a trip uh, down to play Ledbetter Academy. He's like, "Well, I'll tell you which ones are Ledbetter guys," because you could just you could smell them a mile away, and he didn't mean it like in terms of anything other than their attitude. You know, he's like, oh, that's a lead better guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, so in in fairness to everybody, I guess we should note that Tom and I are talking at 11 a.m. on a Sunday before the NFL slate gets going, which we'll watch later. Before our and Bucks take the division. Come on now. Here we go. Before our Bucks take the division is correct. What a, And that would be. Back-to-back-to-back division titles. Mm, That's the Amansky, the old Amansky in the South, which used to be the worst of first division. That's what it was all about the first, what was it, almost decade in its existence? it's just the division the Bucks own. (laughs) (laughs) You kind of have to say that if we win it this year. I mean, my God. Yeah, that'd be three straight, and we did it with Baker Mayfield. And, by the way, I I won't continue to besmirch Baker Mayfield. He's, um, you know what the problem, it's funny, the problem with Baker Mayfield is? Is height. Well, obviously, that keeps him from being truly elite, but it's that he's good enough to to do this. He's going to be – this is who he'll be his whole career. Like, he's good enough that you're going to win nine to ten games if you have Baker Mayfield, if you got some pieces in place. And that gets coaches fired eventually. Oh, like, yeah. at some point, you got to do something better than that, you know? It saved Todd Bowles' career in Tampa, though. Yeah, it got him another year. Like, you're correct. It puts you in that no-man's land that you just don't want to be in when it comes to drafting. But we're lucky enough to be in the worst division in the NFC and probably in all of football in order to be able to win a division while you're going to clear nine wins. Like, you know, if you win today, you're going to win ten games, and that's, wow, what an achievement. Like, for real, that's that's an achievement. Well, for real, that is a great achievement for this team, yes. 
But nine is enough for the Bucks because all they got to do is win one of their final two games. They've got the tiebreakers over the other team. So nine would be enough. A year after, was it eight was enough, or did we actually get to nine? I forget. No, I think we had a losing record, didn't we? Okay, so we were eight and nine in division champions. So this is the thing. If you're stuck in the seven seed and losing in the wild card for two and three years, you get mad quicker. But if you're going to hang a banner while you win nine games or eight games, (laughs) then it becomes more palatable because, as you like to say, flags fly forever, and Mm -hmm. that's okay. But sure, for this year, if you weren't going to pick in the top five, all right, fine. Then go win the damn division, and that's what they're going to do. Win the damn division. The problem is, too, buddy, they could could shake things up. You kind of don't want to play the Bucs right now, especially if you like – let's say Dallas doesn't win the division, and boy, did they get lucky last night – but let's say Dallas doesn't win the division and they've got to come down to Tampa to face the Bucs in the opening round, which the Bucs could win that game. They could. It's funny that they have a better chance to win that game this year. They played the exact same game in the same yeah. location last year and got their asses yeah. handed to them. That oh, with, yeah. with Baker Mayfield instead of Tom Brady, you got a better chance. Huh? But it's true. It's true. They're a better football team this year. Um, they are also... It's funny now looking back. I mean, that last Tom Brady year, we first guessed it on Scuttlebucks at the time. It was like, man, it's just like missing 13 days of camp. No, and that's like if you're Tom Brady and you do that, you know, if you've had a reputation over your 20 plus year career that you take breaks from time to time, if you're Roger Clemens who shows up after the, you know, after the all star break, is like, all right, here comes your 160 ERA because I can go max for two months. All right, well, that's who you are. But when you put commercials out there that give Jimbo Fisher uh, an erection, and, yeah. and it's like every single day, every single day, every single day, and then you don't show up for camp? No. Man. And for like more than a week. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because I promised my uh, my ex, my soon-to-be ex-wife, that we were going to go on this, uh, this here vacation. Like, what? Okay. He lied about it a lot, too. It was kind of funny. But, um, yeah, I think the uh... – Didn't get off on the right foot last year. No. No, to say the least, it did not get off on the right foot. Uh, so, you know, in the wake of, I'm sure people are wondering, although this is, again, when we record this, it's um, it's anything we want to talk about. That's the nature of bellying up. But uh, we, we can't help but address what happened yesterday afternoon, which is kind of, you know, oddly, I as the game went on, I guess I did, you know, it's funny. We bring this up all the time. You know, I said to you weeks ago on the show that they were going to get killed. And then as we got closer, I didn't see any evidence to suggest otherwise, especially after they got absolutely screwed. And then you had all these opt outs and then you had even more. So there was a part of me that thought 63 to three is like, it's funny. There is a complaint in the chat when we were doing the pregame show. And there was a similar complaint when we were doing the war chant report. And a lot of times in the chat, I just laugh at whatever is said because people are emotional and they respond. But the person was like, well, these clowns are acting like Georgia could score 60 on FSU. And yeah, yeah, man. Uh, the backups at FSU are not great. And when they're going to be the starters, uh, that's a problem. And then then you throw in the emotional devastation. And then you have, for whatever reason, 
a fairly highly motivated Georgia team. Yeah. This really did have 63 to three written all over it. I mean, it had a lot of ugly written on it before the game even began. And so, you know, to see it happen is, is frustrating, but, but very predictable. But I did find the Noel in me kick in. I, I, when they were th when Georgia threw with Muschamp's kid late, and we got a personal foul for roughing the quarterback, I was like, "Good, good. You should hit. You should chin check that bitch with the crown of your helmet. There's no chance you're running a play action pass up sixty three to three. This is not what we do." And they did do that. Now, I will say Kirby Smart was classy in the post game interview. I thought Kirby handled it fine. But that particular thing where they're trying to get Muschamp's kid to complete a pass, I was like, fine, you can do that. You can do that. But there's a chance somebody's going to get hurt. Um, and I found myself getting angry in that moment. But other than that, I was just sad. I was sad for the kids. I was sad for Mike. I was sad for Florida State fans. I was sad that this situation had to exist. Yeah, I agree. The, the, the sadness was watching Kalen Deloach play with a broken heart. You could see he wasn't yeah. the same. You could see he wasn't engaged. There's even a moment where they cut to the sideline where Tatum Bethune, who was an injury uh, situation more than just a straight opt-out, I'm 100% I can play, he's trying to talk to him on the sideline, and Kalen's not with us. You could, you could see the, the faraway look in his eye. And it's just it's so sad because it's like one of those scenes in a movie where there's futility, and it's usually some sort of bad war movie. But there's yeah. futility and you ride into the you ride into certain death that kind of a thing you know and and this is not as serious as that i understand that um but that was to me he was the specific player where i was like damn he's on an island because he doesn't have anybody worth a damn next to him no matter who lines up he doesn't have anybody he can trust uh he doesn't have a team behind him lining guys up and helping organize things the defensive linemen in front of him are a shell of what they were in the ACC championship game. So he's probably not going to operate cleanly at any point. And you saw what happened. At, at, you know, Early in this game, after they got that one stop where they summoned the energy, they, they got the pressure, and then Beck missed the throw, you know, he's freelancing. He's all over the place. He's getting you know isolated and destroyed on some backside tight end drags and other kinds of things where they're throwing misdirection at us, and he's just guessing because his heart's not in it. You know, and, and you can't blame him for that. That was the thing last night on, on the postgame show. Is, is the, we've never been through this, anybody. Those players, the, that coaching staff of fan base has never been anything quite through like like this ever before. So however you're feeling is valid to me because there's there's no playbook for how to – if you wanted to opt out, I'm good with it. If you wanted to play, I'm good with it. If Mike Norvell wanted to call trick plays down 63-3, to three, I'm fine with it. If you wanted to get out of Dodge and run into the middle of the line and keep the clock moving, whatever. This is just totally unprecedented. There's there's no way through it. So I'm just glad the 60 minutes are over. Um, I didn't find myself peaking in emotion one way or the other, though, outside of a couple of plays that Brock Glenn made where I was like, okay, thank you, because I didn't see any of that in the ACC championship. Seen it in practice. Yeah, well, they didn't. Yeah. But I've seen it in practice, but I, I'm wondering, are, please tell me you're not like a gun-shy kid in, in a real game, and he's not. So that that was good to see. No, I like him. Um, I, I enjoyed watching some of those moments for him. We didn't really have much else. I still don't get the logic of, I mean, I, I handing the ball to Ja'Kai Douglas. I, I don't, 
kind of know what they were doing there. He also um, showed his ass a few times. Like you're going to dress down a true freshman quarterback in his second start he did in the back of the end zone on the one throw. Yeah, he did it a couple, couple other times going to the sidelines. It was a fourth down. They're about to punt, and he's pouting at the sideline. I'm like, okay. I just didn't understand any yeah. of uh, that decision making. Um, I will say, and we both know what happened. Florida State's players were put in an unprecedented position, and they reacted in a way that, in some some regards, is also unprecedented. Um, they just didn't play. And, and you know, you had a lot of guys opt for some minor surgeries that they needed to have at the end of the regular season once or once the ACC championship game ended and they found out they weren't going to be in the playoff. They, they chose to have that surgery sooner. I've got no problem with that. i got no problem for people that are readying themselves for the combine. Um, I, I get that. And then there's just a slew of guys that are kind of curious. I, I raise an eyebrow, too. Um, I can go case by case, and some guys I'm like, nope, totally get it. Others I'm like, eh, kind of don't understand why you wouldn't play, but all right. Um, I, I do that with different for case by case. But I do think this might have been good for Mike to see mm-hmm. because I've maintained and I've argued with Corey and I've argued with everybody on the staff at various points. And I'm, this isn't a, hey, I'm right, beat my chest thing. Because I think our start, you guys are right about the starting 22. Florida State starting 22 could compete with anybody in the country, and they could have won a national title. Even I with Tate. That is accurate. That's an accurate statement. Even with Tate, because those teams are flawed this year. Yeah. yeah. Now, I would not pick us to win a national title with Tate Rodemaker as Agreed. the quarterback. Agreed. But within the range of possibilities says a lot, yeah. you know? Right. Correct. But I would say that I never thought, and you know I, this is true. I would tell you this in practice. I never thought that we had championship-level depth. Yep. That the backups, they leave a lot to be desired. I'm not in love with hardly anybody that wasn't a starter this year. There are very few guys or fringe starters. Like, I like Azaria Thomas a lot. I think he's going to continue to get better. Tough day for him. He was not great. Um, he was. He was in perfect phase a couple times, though, and it's like, Jesus, okay. So you're going to make that play in the Orange Bowl? Okay, sounds yeah. good. Yeah, they got some. They got some guys now. <laughs> they got some dudes. Now. I'm, I'm thinking they're probably saying, "Where the hell was this offense that was footloose and fancy free in, against Alabama?" They had that opening drive, and then they sucked to high heaven. And I don't know that they were pretty conservative and scared after that first drive. It felt like anyway. Yeah. So what what I would what I would say about where Florida State's at, and what I mean by it was good for Mike to see this, is two things can be true competing things. Florida State was good enough to play for and win perhaps a national title. They're also not that close to having championship level depth. Mm-hmm. They they are a long ways away. Like Georgia's second and third string players are better than many of our starters. Yeah. And that is a fucking problem, man. When you're watching a true freshman 6'1", 240 run up your ass and there's nothing you can do about it because your guys aren't big enough, strong enough, athletic enough, that that ain't good. That ain't good. So this is an eye-opening experience on a lot of levels for him. He's got Mike's got to salvage what he can. He's dealing with an emotional wreck in that locker room, and I feel bad for him because that's not his fault, and it's not these kids' fault. But you, I mean, what are you going to just not, you, you got a coach. I mean, you got yeah, things to yeah. do now. You got a lot of work. Florida State has more work ahead of it after going undefeated and winning the conference title than any of us thought imaginable. And, and 
beyond reason for them, too. They should not have this much work to go through. They should have a couple of malcontents after the playoff, whether you go the distance or you don't, that are going to hold out for more money, and it comes down to the wire. Are you going to be in? Are you going to be out? And then by the time we get to February, you have a pretty good clear indication of what you're working with and what you need to get better on the second transfer portal window. That's the reality they should have lived in. Instead, it all got compressed into the month of December, which is still not fucking over, and it's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm happy for New Year's tonight because it turns the page. This is the longest month in Florida State history. I mean, really. <laughs> it, this is a 60-day month. It is absurd, and I'm sure Mike yeah. is going to be happy at that point to turn the page. But guess what? His job's not done in the immediate oh, either. buddy. He's got a lot of work to do. It's only beginning. It's only beginning the work. Yeah, I think a lot of stuff bled into that locker room more than he thought it would. And now, I mean, I I felt bad for him yesterday. I I love the warrior that Mike Norvell is. I think Mike is tough, and I think Mike's done a great job. But I think Mike had an eye-opening moment or two yesterday. In addition to being bitter and angry and frustrated for these kids, as he should be, I do think he realizes, I mean, how could you not looking out on that field, Tom? I mean, just looking at bigger, stronger, faster. That's all I'm talking about. God, dog, man. That, he's... Right. So, there's a few parts to this. Number one, the final question before the kickoff of the Orange Bowl was just how motivated would Georgia be? You know, we know that they've got more players in their 22 playing, but how how much would they care? They cared enough. And then when you have the other dudes rolling off the sidelines, like, they got ETN, right, from Florida... Mm-hmm. If I was Mike, I wouldn't have gone for the handshake at the 50 at the end of the game. I would have run towards that true freshman that's 240 pounds and said, they're trying to replace you. Yeah. <laughs> I will elevate you. And I would just openly say it because now yeah. multi-time transfers are a thing. This kid hasn't yeah. used even one transfer yet. I would openly tamper on that field and say, come play for <laughs> me. I could use you at linebacker. I could use You want to play two ways? You want to be the, the Travis Hunter of that linebacker dude. running back? You're my guy. Um, but yesterday's game... Featured a lot of things, which was a lot of points for Georgia. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. The deficiencies of what we are, but we didn't have our heart either. So it's like not only were you not talented enough, you were broken in spirit at the kickoff of this game. So that's a double whammy. So I think, I think the gap that we saw yesterday is a little bit of a mirage because of what was wrong in our chest. Our heart wasn't beaten. And, and I don't blame the team for that. They suited up and they played with a broken heart and they got destroyed. But it does still it does still amplify the gap between the programs. We had built a championship-level team this year. We do not have a championship-level program just yet. And the gap yeah, and, that and yesterday was people, was the difference. And I want people to understand that, again, I'm going to reiterate, had Florida State been healthy and invested and had their starters, you know, I probably would have picked Georgia. I, I, I've said that before. I think they're just further along. But I would never have discounted Florida State's ability to compete and maybe win a game like that. I think they could. So I would have said, you know, if somebody had asked me, what do you think the game's going to be? And I'm talking about Georgia's got their starters. We got our starters and we're all playing. I'm probably picking Georgia 31 to 20, you know, 27, 24. If it's, you know, could some sort of a game like that where I think it's a good game, but I think Georgia's better. I certainly am not picking 63 to three. So I, I get that wasn't who Florida State is. But again, if we're solely highlighting bigger, stronger, faster, Georgia's got a lot more yeah. bigger, stronger, faster than Florida State does. And it's not that close. Uh, and and it, this is where, and I, I know 
See, on, on shows like this, I mean, when we're just talking off the cuff, I, I'll say some things that later on maybe get me in trouble. But, man, when you're fucking looking out there at Omar Graham running around trying to make plays, I mean, bless the kid's heart, that dude wouldn't touch a roster at Georgia. Come on, who are we kidding? I, I mean, just it's not the same. It's not the same. That is the position group that sticks out more than any other. There's no it's doubt about awful. that. It's awful. And – you know, we often like to say, and I'm, I'm glad that uh, they did no homework, even though there was, they didn't have to do much um, on the broadcast crew yesterday. But Jesse Palmer and Joe agreeing in the first half, well, you're not a freshman anymore because of all the practices you get. Well, yeah, man. I mean, Brock missed six effing weeks this fall. <laughs> like, yeah. It's kind of important. It stunts the growth. I get he had a camp earlier, but you, this, these are critical reps that he could have gotten. So I, I'm not going to call him a, a sophomore. He's a freshman in name only. That's that's not true. Um, but the point being that you look across several segment groups and the development that should be there where guys were playing for the entirety of fall camp and, and every 100%. practice during the week, they should be competent enough to be able to be on the field, make the correct keys, uh, be in the right gaps, not get outflanked, not look like a, you know, that they've never played the game before. But that's what took place yesterday. And so there are some places where development is lacking and portal work has covered for the lack of development. And I, to your point about I'm glad Mike got to see that, I agree. I'm glad Mike got to see that because if you still stay the course after this evidence in front of you and that film, that's not going away. They're going to have to review it and grade it. I mean, what are we doing here? Well, I just, I don't know how you wouldn't be incensed. It makes me mad that he wasn't incensed prior to now. I, I just, to, this is so obvious. You've got a situation on your hands here. He doesn't recruit the position and the kids aren't getting better that play it. Um, I so, cannot yeah, what, say it left? enough. Yeah, They've got to make a change. They, yeah. He needs to make changes to this staff, period. Now, I, I think that, this should be eye-opening that you're better off, in my opinion, you're better off over the long-term health of your program building through elite high school classes. I think you can always utilize the portal and put together a team that can compete to win the conference championship and make the playoff because of the portal. You can say, we need a quarterback, we need a bridge, we need a tight end, we need a left tackle, we might need a, you know, a defensive tackle. You can find that. But to build your core dominance year over year, you need elite high school talent, in my opinion. Now, again, you can you can piece together a, a, a 22 that can win the conference, can have a great year. But I think if you're going to be able to sustain excellence over time and withstand a really unlucky season due to injury, Florida State had a – I mean, a fuck ton of injuries that makes zero sense. It's just a crazy bad luck year in terms of injuries. But, you know, if you have a bunch of five stars behind them, you're going right. to be all right. right. You may have some inexperienced mistakes, but you're not going to be physically overwhelmed. Yeah, that, that's the the sad part is I do think the eye test was lost earlier in the season where if Keon's healthy and Jaheim, and we can go down the list, everybody knows by now, the, the six dudes that needed to be healthy all year, if they were, it's not a question, even with Brock at quarterback, whether we deserve to be in, I think in the eyes of the committee, I think it would have risen to that level. Yeah. But the legacy of guys being banged up, not just Jordan breaking his leg, but other dudes being banged up, Lots of them influence some of the final call 
beyond the cronyism, which I think is real too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there wasn't some cronyism going on. They had to pull Texas up in order to get Alabama in. I, I think that's the, the realest thing. Um, because if that if it was opposite, I, I don't know that Texas makes it in this year. I think Florida State does and Alabama does. They had to get Alabama in there. Anyway, all of those injuries, the pit game where you've got no receivers, literally, uh, the flu game, uh, you know, Keon's out for a period of time. Johnny's out for a longer period of time. Your offensive line's banged up. We, we know it all. But that influenced the results of several games that could have and should have been four-score victories that were one- or two-score yeah. victories. And yeah, yeah, they, be, they became close That kills you. Like, and, and, like, that's the other reason why I'm so sad for these kids because they powered through all of that. And when the offense needed to score more for a beleaguered defense, they did. When the defense needed to be dominant and rise to a level that they weren't for the first 11 games of the season, say for maybe yeah. Clemson's second half, the defense did it. That's the sad part, is they earned every bit of being in the Final Four because of all the bullshit that they fought through. And that's where I'll always be angry and emotional because that's not right. Those kids earned it, and they did so through so much adversity. Like, dude, if they were all healthy all year long and those were the scores of the 13 games, all right, you want to leave them out? You've got every bit of ammunition as the committee to say, I don't I just don't buy that they're one of the best four teams. Yeah, that happens been healthy sometimes. all year long. We've seen teams have great years that we don't know aren't good. Right. Like the the 14 team for us, what was their excuse? They didn't have one. They didn't have, they were banged up. They just didn't give a shit in the first half of every game. And that's where they were penalized. But everybody knew they were talented enough, and that's why they made the field of of the final four. This group fought through so much nonsense. I mean I I joked about it during the season, and I hope Josh Storms doesn't uh, military press me into the sea. But I was like, "Uh, what's going on in the weight training room? Why is everybody always perpetually hurt? And it's not his fault, but it's just we were terribly unlucky this season. From the get-go with the offensive line, too. Over and over and over again. But it will be intriguing. It's like people wrestle with, all of us do, in our own lives, whatever the issues are, if multiple things are true simultaneously, it can be tough to wrap your head around. You can be really mad at guys for not playing. You can also completely understand why they didn't play. You can logically say that you know that Florida State was one of the teams that earned a ride into the college football playoff and also believe that they would have lost to any of those teams or believe, you know, I mean, you can do all these things and it doesn't make you less of a no or blinded by whatever. I mean, I... I think that Florida State is ahead of schedule. So on the one hand, bravo, Mike Norvell, a towel. I mean, you guys are ahead of schedule. On the other hand, I think they got a lot of work to do. Yeah. I think I think that Florida State, unfortunately, got exposed a little bit here. And 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 for all the reasons, you know, I mean, like there are things about the program that he's got to look at right now. You did have some weird things happen with players out of nowhere. Why was that? I mean, wh- how how is it that you got blindsided by some transfers here that you never thought were coming? Now, is that also part and parcel to the modern game of college football and this lunacy that is unlimited transfers? Yeah, it is, but I mean, God, dog, I, I I think he's got to look at his coaching staff. He's got to look at the non-recruiters on his coaching staff. He's got to look at, okay, well, do I am I too reliant on the portal? I you know, I mean, you can go through a lot of things that he's got to figure out here. It's going to be interesting, and he's got a tough task at hand now because I think, unfortunately for him. You know, I don't believe I've heard people say, well, this will permanently affect the program and 
you know, kids aren't going to come to Florida State after that display, et cetera. I, I, I'm not going to that extreme. Do I think it has an effect on the way that Florida State is perceived by some players? Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. I, I think he's going to have to overcome a little bit of that initially. I, well, I think the snub started it. I think that that started the perception. And, it, and you know, we said it's a silly question at the time because there's a 12-team playoff next year. But, again, I, I come back to 16- and 17-year-olds aren't rational human beings. Right. Like, right. We're, we're just not. As 16- as and 17-year-olds, we're in our own little echo chamber. We are invincible, whatever we think is true, whether it makes sense or it doesn't. So you have to fight through that, and you have to fight through the noise. And it's just another piece of bullshit noise that you've got to overcome that is out of your control until it becomes a problem, and which you need to make it within your control to move it past. But it, that is wasted time. You know, It's a wasted resource that you've got to fend that off and then try to build a relationship. It, it's hard to build a relationship with anybody in life if you've got to clear a hurdle about a shortcoming or a, or a trust barrier or whatever. And then it's like, all right, now let's bond. Like it just it's harder to do. And when everybody's offering the same amount of money or in the same ballpark of money, you know, these are the tiebreakers. And unfortunately the tiebreakers serve against, you know, Florida State in a couple of ways. I think some of it also is the the recruiting acumen of some of these dudes with high school. They can, will, and should spend in the portal heavily every year. I think the, the dudes they bring in culture wise, I think they're wonderful fits for the program by and large they've brought in a ton of culture fits and a lot of those dudes opted in last year multi-year transfers yeah, they, to, to play Oklahoma against Oklahoma Oklahoma I would game. say part of that part of that though they were still climbing yeah they were still trying to achieve something that I, that's I, why this is a perfect storm like if, if mm-hmm. I think if this was last year's roster that had accomplished this and this had happened and you're talking about that roster where they are in their years of eligibility I think more players would have played but they had so many dudes that were coming back for one more and then that one more was ended, you know, like 12 hours after we hoisted the ACC yeah. trophy. You know, it's just, it yeah. was as such shitty timing. And for Mike, that's all he's had here. Like, even in the good moments, he gets the job. He's on the, he's in the power five, COVID. All right, we'll see you in two years. And then he climbs from five and seven all the way to 13 and 0, 19 straight wins. You're not good enough, says the committee. Like, good Lord. He's got uh, he's got a lot to wrangle with. I think he'll do it though because I do think that's a guy that seems hell bent on continuing. You know, they always say, and it's about to be New Year's, so this is kind of what's on everybody's mind. What do I want to achieve in 2024, and how do I go about it, and what are our goals and things I got to get better at, and all that? They always say you kind of you, you build the better habits by starting, uh, you know, day one with something low bar, right? You just do this thing. One time, and tomorrow it becomes two times. The next day it becomes three times. At some point, it becomes who you are and what you are. Right? You at some point you reach the stage where you've done it every day for three months. Well, Mike has done, has lived it, has preached this way of working. Right? It's about the work. He wears the shirt that says work. Right? He talks about several key things that he believes in: service, believes in work. Right? So. I've watched that very carefully because that's a that's a that's a a level of discipline that if you're going to preach that you have to be that right and that's hard that's really hard Mike has to be there 4 a.m. working out before the team gets in he has to be the one that stays the latest he has to be the one that is always repeating the mantra about the work it's about us it's uh, all these things right because if you stray from that for one second you're a phony and nobody buys it mm-hmm. and so 
how many years now? I mean, he did this. I said this on the pregame show. He did this right after the Jacksonville State game. He didn't waver. He continued down this path because he believed it was what was right. I think that will carry him. I think that this tough time, and there may be more tough times in the coming days, if we learn about some uh, transfer portal kids and, and some things that don't go your way. But I think he's built this on the right. It's a bedrock of, of sound principles. I think, I, I think that's accurate. I think that they'll overcome this because Mike has been consistent. I agree. I think this shook him more than Jacksonville State by a mile this yeah. particular thing, and you can see it. Like, even some of the photos from the visits, and, and um, there was a photo that a fan uh, took with him at a restaurant this week in Miami. I'm like, good Lord. Mike is already in very good shape, but he's lost a lot of weight. Like, you just see that, that he looks – it's not gone. It's not quite there. Right. Yeah, yeah. But you can tell that he's been through hell this month, I and mean, he's wearing it. And the problem is, here's the reality. I agree with you. I think he's going to come out on the other side of it. But it's going to get worse still entering 2024 for the first week or two before it starts to get better. Because while personally, I watch that game knowing what's happening before it, before it does, especially as yeah, we're doing a lot the, of people didn't. Yeah. The most impossible pregame show ever, where you learn that Braden and farmer and, and Bethune aren't even playing. <laughs> I'm going to go back and watch our pregame show. Cause the look on my face when that popped up is the look uh, I'm sure is the look of a person who recognizes this could end 63 to three. Right. Right. Like we thought it could, it possibly might, you know, and, and, but now it's going to, you know, that's where it, it leads during yeah. that, during that one hour pregame show. And no matter what happened, I, I wasn't going to be moved. There was going to be a, an apathetic nature to watching that game. That sucks. I mean, that, that sucks, but that's not the case for the locker room. That's not the case for that sideline yesterday. I shudder to think what that situation was like. It's those Agreed. kids. Are, and it's, and Tom and recruits and transfer portal kids. Yep. Yeah. So it's going to, he's yeah. got, yeah, he's got a lot to overcome now the perception and it's an unfair perception, but that doesn't matter. We know about perception being reality. The problem he has is that there's some kid who was watching that game yesterday. Who's trying to decide between Florida state and three other schools. And he's watching 63 to three going, they're a mess. Fuck this. Right. Oh, and, and and you could say like, Coach, I hear you. Like if if he gets on the phone with with Norvell and and he says, Coach, I hear you. In fact, I tend to believe you, but I have doubt, and I don't have any doubt if I go here instead. You know, and that's the problem. It's a big problem, and it's not something that you can just wish away. You can say all the things. Mm -hmm. You can point to these different high points of success over the last two years in the face of adversity. You could point to the consistency and say, no, if you think we have a culture problem, how the hell do you think we went 23 and three uh, over the last two years? You know, how do you think that we won 19 straight games? How do you, that you can't have culture problems and succeed in that manner. I promise you, you can't. So this is not really an indicator whatsoever, but as you correctly point out, it takes one kid to be, I mean, it takes any of these kids to go, well, I guess, buddy, but I watched sixty-three to three. So, right, <laughs> you know, I right. mean, and and he, and coach, I hear you, but I, I just I have a little bit of doubt. I think you can understand why, and that's why I'm going to go play for Kirby, or that's why I'm going to go play for Nick. Well, you know, that's this the is an thing. important point you're making because I'm not saying that that kid is wrestling in his mind between going to Florida State and fucking Troy. Right. Right. I'm saying he's thinking about going to Georgia, Alabama. 
Unfortunately, in our own state, he's thinking about going to Miami, maybe, you know, places like that. You're having to win over that kid, not yeah. the kid that's like, oh, should I stay at Tulane or transfer to Florida State? No, I'm talking about, you know, the creme de la creme where you're trying to get to where your depth is as impressive as George's depth. Yeah, that's where you're trying to, you know, that's the that's that's the well, hill you're climbing. And, and that's where. You know, Kirby was going to do what he was going to do yesterday because he wants to drive that point home. It's what oh, he should, it's I what he should it, do, buddy. Because it, it it also shows you real quick. It also shows you how much of a threat Kirby perceives Mike Norvell and Florida State to be. Sure. If it, if this was a group of five game, he wouldn't have done that. He wouldn't have done that. But he knows that Florida State's already stolen a few players that they really want away from Georgia. Now Georgia had the last laugh on Bolden, but we got a few in the past couple of years. They really wanted, and he knows that we're starting to gain traction in South Georgia, which was Kirby's and nobody else's for a long time. So the threat is the reason for his response, which is, you know, we're going to drop 60 on your ass. Well, I don't blame him. I, I, don't, I actually thought, I don't, I'm I, glad that, yeah, yeah and I, I, I'm i kind of shocked he didn't try to put up 77 or something like that, because he could have. Um I could have named his number at one point. I mean, it is what we recognized, and so I, I just – yeah, it's second I was quarter. Scared for that. Yeah. I was scared for the kids because I thought, man, this is the wrong team to have this situation because Georgia does need to send messages. Georgia will send messages. And Kirby yeah. is ruthless. He's a killer. It's why he's one of the great coaches in the game. He's like, fuck that. I'm going to put a number up here today that lets everybody know exactly what we are. Right. And then he'll go in the post game and say the right things too. And both can be true. He'd be like, man, this is nonsense. The sport's broken, as you can see today. Yeah, but, and I thought that know. was tremendous. I, I, I'm glad he spoke on it. I saw a couple of national pundits when I dared brave the ugly uh, waters of Twitter Christ. and other places um, say what we were thinking, like the more logical reasoned approach. I saw a couple of people say this is really bad for the sport. It's a bad look for the sport. They didn't say this is bad for FSU. They were like, this is just, we know this isn't right. What we're watching, this isn't. This ain't good for anybody. Yeah, and I've I've maintained that for a while that that fans who are mad about this transitional stage of college football, unfortunately, we're on the wrong end of what can happen if all the things fall into into place. This is this is what can happen, and this is what's going to happen more and more. And that was also pointed out. Like, get used to this, guys. Get used to watching teams take these fucking kind of beat downs. It all started a number of years back. I think it was the Smith kid at Notre Dame who got hurt. And there have been others who've been hurt. And more and more players, as time has gone on, began to realize, man, I'm not out here trying to get hurt before I get drafted. This is yeah. nuts. I'm not costing yeah. myself millions of dollars. So you have that opt-out situation. You have unlimited transfers now. You have no governing body over the sport with any teeth whatsoever. So every time the court slaps their ass around, the NCAA just backs off and says, do whatever the fuck you want. And this is what can happen. Yeah, no, I agree. It was, yeah, it was Jalen Smith and the Fiesta Bowl against Ohio yeah. State. Uh, I remember that. It made me sick. Yeah, uh, that kid was top 10. He was going top 10. He was a freak, and he still ended up making money. He had a, he had a, a more than a cup of coffee with the Cowboys. Uh, yeah, I know, yeah, a yeah, good yeah. player, but it's not the earning potential that he would have had. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous, and that's where I will side with the kids on that for forevermore. I don't think you're failing your teammates <laughs> at some point. Uh, you know, you're going to choose between your family, your children, and your teammates. You're going to have to make that choice at some point in your life. And if you're going to choose your family, I'm not going to blame you for that. 
And yeah, I think I think the only thing is uh, I would say yeah, you should never opt out of a playoff game. However, correct. And yeah, and yeah, and I think you know when you you kind of understand the inherent risk to football when you play the game, and you know if you're getting you're getting paid, which a lot of them are now, it will change the course of the conversation. Yes, if you're a stud who's getting paid a lot of money, then sure. If you're, um, I'm not saying Braden Fisk is poor from coming from Western Michigan to Florida State, but if you're somebody who's in a position where your your stock is on meteorically on the rise and you're not being comped that much at all, like maybe yeah. it's covering some of your bills, then yeah, man, if you're not in the playoff, opt the hell out because you're just you're about to change your life in a way that it you know it, it didn't happen out of high school for you, but now it can. So I, I don't just, know what. I really don't know what they can do. I know you think that when we go to 12 teams that basically there'll be some of these teams that care if the ones who don't make the 12 team playoff will care about these bowl games. I I don't maybe. Um, Yeah. My theory is at that point you're dealing with programs that are, there might be one or two that are woefully disappointed and, and they didn't make the field at 12. But when you get down, you know this. I mean, when you get even from about 12 to 25, ugh, the teams are basically the same. There's just their turnover luck and some injury luck yeah. at that point. And you could probably extend that out to 35 or 40. Like, Yeah, a lot of times it's also about certain matchups they can't deal with. Right, like right. That, yeah. It Just in terms of the overall quality of that roster, like 15 to 40, there's not that much of a difference. One to six, there's probably a larger difference than 15 to 40 in college football. So... Like, if you don't make it, then you're, you've still got, like Florida State last year, you've still got goals when you go play in the Champs Bowl. You know, you're, oh, bi- we, yeah. you're building towards something. Uh, and you saw that a bunch this year on some of, those, some of those bowls that did not live around New Year's Day. But the New Year's Six, by definition, are all going to be a part of this 12-team playoff. So that's the worst Orange Bowl in history that we just watched yesterday and we were a part of, sadly. Like, that'll be the least compelling Orange Bowl as long as the Orange Bowl is played forevermore. It's the one. Um, And outside of that, you've got games and stadiums, which is going to be really cool for the first round of the playoff. Those other bowls, I think they're going to be about stories of empire building, you know, for, for teams that believe and aspire to be something else more than people who are pouting that they didn't make the 12-team field and and just shutting it down for the year. So, by the way, what did you think? Um, I, I, well, we'll put a ribbon on this subject, I guess. But what I, I pulled it up just now while we were talking because I, I wanted to see the exact quote. Uh, Kirby Smart, people need to see what happened here tonight, and they need to fix this. It needs to be fixed. It's so unfortunate. They have a good football team and a good football program. And they're in the position that they're in, and it definitely affected the outcome of the game tonight. First of all, good on you, Kirby. I mean, good on you. That's it's easier to say when you're the team who won by sixty. But well, it, I will say, even the night uh, Black Sunday four weeks ago now, I taped that interview and put it on the channel for um, for War Chant. So I watched the presser, and he said something to the effect of, "Well, we believe that we had a really good case." to be in, in the college football mm-hmm. playoff. But I can't imagine what it would feel like to be undefeated and not be here. Right, right. So uh, the only reason I bring that up is because he it, it's not just about grace and victory. He said it before the game was even played and any practices happened for this football game. 
Yeah, I think he knows. Well, he knows. He knows. If you're a competitor, if you played, if you're if you're about the games fucking mattering, then you know it was wrong. So yes, absolutely. But and I appreciate it. Not every coach would have done that, especially not one who has to recruit head to head against Florida State. So I give him a lot of credit for that. Um, but I thought it was interesting. It's like he he's proud of his group. He should be proud of his group. They went out and played hard. They cared to be there. They played uh, like they wanted to win. And I'd be proud of that too, especially in the wake of the disappointment they had to have felt as well. I, I think he has reason to laud his team for coming out and being focused and playing, but he also, he knows damn well what was going on there. And I can't imagine probably more than five minutes into the second quarter uh, that he had any worry about what was about to take place. He probably was like, Oh shit, this yeah. is for real. They're not going to compete. Okay. No, it, it was that sequence. Yeah. Uh, to start the second quarter where they scored 21 points in like four and a half minutes. And you're like, Oh yeah, this is, um, this is where this is going. We thought it would. And now we definitely know it is, this is where it's going. But the one thing I would say, you know, culture issues can creep in anywhere. So I'll grant you that as a qualifier, but boy, did everybody race to the podium to say, look at how healthy the culture is at Georgia. Well, yeah, man. They'd won 29 out of 30 games, back-to-back reigning national champions. They don't feel like the sky is falling. Ah, we didn't get it this year. That sucks. But you think that like at Georgia, the pinnacle of the sport right now, that they're, people are going to be pissed off? No, that would be like, well, Mike Krzyzewski has a great culture at Duke here. Yeah, <laughs> you fucking think? You fucking think? And this is where everybody See, wants to be. When you get to that place where you are the the the, the preeminent program, when you are, uh, you know, layered with the kind of quality depth that we witnessed yesterday, mm-hmm. when that's the case, what happens is that level of competition begets more competition begets more competition because and you have now created this firestorm of ultra competitive and toughness and all the things that you want in a dominant program because this five star wants to play over that five star who wants to play over that five star and if this kid doesn't care fuck all to be here i'm damn sure gonna go out here and play and be dominant because i want to start next year and there's another kid who we just brought in who's just as good as me he's just younger and i'm not gonna let him do it so and that's how we end up in this situation so you have to get to that place the problem mike has is that's where florida state's not even close they're nowhere close to having a situation where where he can walk into a locker room and say, if you don't want to be here, get the fuck out. He can't do that because right. he doesn't have a five-star behind the five-star behind the five-star. Right. So he's got to be very careful about who he yells at and the way that he yells at them if, in fact, we're coming up on a big game and a kid's not real sure what he's going to do. Yeah, that's, um, that's where I'll go back to, to Duke for a moment and Coach K. There was one press conference. I think it might have been after they hit the three-pointer to, you know, Barrios, the day that Zion got hurt in the first half. Mm-hmm. And he said something to the effect of, do you realize how hard it is to do what Leonard <laughs> has done? Do you do you know how hard this is to, to make this place look like this it was today? Like, and you know what? He's right. He was right. That is a coach who built something nowhere, and then it's it, – feasts on itself at some point because yeah. it because it's duke you now automatically get this that and the other he built that and he gets credit for it but what he was telling you in that moment was do you know how hard it is to do that here i like jesus that man lifted lifted rocks and boulders and mountains to get right to get florida state to where that building today you know my ears are ringing from it in a way that they never have before and i think there's some same energy some similar energy from kirby 
as it relates to what Mike just did. And that's where I think he was incredulous, saying, you know how hard it is to amass a roster and flip it that quickly through the portal, manage the personalities, build a culture, flip it from the toxicity of Jimbo and Willie into what and it is, go, go 13-0. Does anybody know how hard that is? Right, right. And then So he know, wants to doff the cap. Right. But he knows, Mike knows now, though. I, again, I'll keep coming back to this. I'm a broken record this morning a little bit about, I think it was probably pretty good that Mike saw that, that Mike got to look at this. I, I think there's no way you look at that game and not ask serious questions. We always talk about self-scouting. I'm not saying, again, I always have to repeat myself because people will take a snippet of this and, and misrepresent what I mean. Florida State would not have gotten beat 63 to 3 if they'd had their players. Florida State could have won the national championship had they had their players. I still think that's true. I agree with you. I probably would not have picked them to do so, but I thought they belonged. They had a roster of 22 players that could have easily competed at the highest level and been in those games and maybe won them. Um, what I think is that that that's all they had. They don't have 32 players. They don't have 40 players that can do that. They have a about 22 to 25. That, that's that's what they have, and maybe 26. Um, so there's a lot of hard work to be done to get to that place. I happen to also believe that Mike is the kind of determined, and now this will piss him off. I mean, I hope this is what this does. I hope we get an angry, vengeful, petty Mike Norvell from this point forward. I hope it is a fuck all of you eternally, Mike Norvell, meaning to the committee, to the people outside of this program, to the people that were laughing yesterday as they watched this thing take place. I hope that's Mike's, you know, he's already built it the right way. He's already doing the things day to day to get to that place. But now you can't tell me you wouldn't have a chip on your shoulder to exact revenge for this bullshit that just took place. Oh, my God. I This might make me a tyrant. At some point, because I, I hate yeah. losing just like he hates losing, just like anybody who competes hates losing. And I would have it in my head. I'm sure some of it would be imagined that there were people all around the country who thought this was funny. Mm -mm, I would be doing the, the kind of press conferences four years from now after we beat somebody 87 to three and I go for it on fourth and one from their 10 with two minutes to play would be fun to have. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I hope he has that energy, like the energy of a tyrant, if you can just take away the uh, inherent evil that comes oh, right, with the word. Yes. I don't want him to become Jimbo and be bipolar and right. all that stuff. I, yes. I just I find him to be such a refreshing coaching personality in an era where everybody wants to close things off that he's open. I fear that this might close some things off for Mike. How could it not? But I hope it doesn't change his personality because his personality is what differentiates him from the competition. And it's what has gotten a lot of kids to say yes to him, even though they didn't have a lot to go on relative to some of the other places we're competing with. So I, I just I hope it brings that energy. And I hope it also brings when it comes to personnel decisions, that level of cutthroat. But I well, hope that, that, he, I, I hope he I'm stays the at. same guy like, because that guy is a lot of fun to root for. He really is. Well, we agree on that. I, I don't think it'll change his personality. I just think the, the level of ruthlessness, and, and if you think about it, I mean, that's what the best of the best are. There is a level that you have to get to, and, and it has to be that kind of, you know, it's about the business. I mean, yeah. Saban is not in his feelings. Oh, and, and he is behind the scenes. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, 
there's a middle ground, Mike, that's the best. You know, I, I think press conference, Mike, is boring. I think yeah. coaching offices, Mike, is ruthless. Like, he already was before this all happened. But then there's this middle ground guy who could have a conversation with you, and he's attached to the earth, unlike some of these dudes. Who, who yeah. Don't, who, who don't, they're not attached to reality, and I hope he stays there. Mike would be a fun guy to sit and have a beer with by the pool and right. if he had nothing to worry about and there was no responsibility the next day and he didn't think you were gonna you were gonna take what he said and run with it to the press or he, you know Mike just could have a conversation with you about the the nature of the game, his philosophy on the game in recruiting, the things he's learned, the mistakes he's made, the successes he's had and what he's drawing from all of that. It would be a lot of fun to have that conversation if you could get him to do that. But yeah. there's a sense of unfinished business now that we didn't think would be in place after a 13 and 0 season. Now there's still unfinished business, which you know that's that's the tough part of all of this is that you thought you had climbed to the top of the mountain, you would have had your chance. Had you lost in the playoff, you still would have felt like you succeeded immensely. Now I don't know that he feels that way, save for the conference championship. Agreed. No, it's it's um, it's the book of Job, my man. He is Job. <laughs> <laughs> and he fights through all this bull, and then uh, you got the powers that be conspiring and saying, I wonder if he'll still worship me after I give him the plague. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he doesn't have to worship ESPN, and he certainly doesn't yeah. have to worship at the feet of those that come and visit and try to report on the program. Because right. um, I can't imagine that there's going to be an awful lot of uh, warm welcomes no. when that happens. Mike was a pretty pissed off man yesterday. Hey, as we round it out uh, for the New Year's, uh, everybody knows now you've moved to New York. I have. Uh, you're in your yep. lovely abode right now, getting ready to watch NFL football, just as I am here. And that's where the good news is for everybody, uh, folks. In, in terms of the Jeff Cameron show and Tom's work on War Chant, nothing's really going to change. It's just the location from which he broadcasts has. Uh, everything else will be the same, and that's why – um, I think we were able to avoid the uh, the ugly uh, weeping at the end of some broadcasts over the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I still found it hard. I still find it difficult that my guy's not in town. I can't just call him up and say, let's go play around to golf. That's going to suck. Those it things does. are that, are, that already them. does. I saw, I saw my clubs in the closet behind where this camera is. <laughs> we don't record this on video. We just do it so we can see each other. But um, yeah, and I'm like, oh, Jesus. OK, yeah. I got it. But but to, <laughs> to the point of like, if you're a listener and you're just wondering what's going to change. Well, Tom and I are doing the show together every day, just like we always do. Yeah. And, yeah, no, it, you know, it, it was. Uh, I thought it was sadder at the end of ESPN because we didn't know if our destination was going to be the same after ESPN, and this isn't that. You know that right. that was a toughie. That was the end of June of uh, two three years ago, and um, I actually took a month off before I started with Board Chant, and then you called yeah. me when I was a part of that vacation. You're like, "We're back, baby!" And I was like, "All right, <laughs> there we go." So. Um, yeah, that, that was a little bit bumpier. This one is just, um, I'll be uh, racking up my frequent flyer miles. I'll be back in tally four times from March 1st to April 30th, so that'll be good. Yeah, no, that'll be good. And and listen, there's a lot to report on, talk about, and glean. Like, you'll have to come back because this is now a roster in flux and a lot of things happening oh with um, where the program's headed. should be a lot of fun. I, you know, the same thing happened last year, not you moving, but the season ended last year, and we couldn't wait for spring football. Yep, yep, agreed. Because where is this going? And and um, we know they're on the precipice of something good, and the transfer portal is probably going to be good to Florida State. And we could, we just couldn't wait. 
And then I think this is true this year for different reasons, but like going into spring football, I, it can't get here fast enough. Well, yeah, uh, I would really like the next two weeks to speed the hell up because uh, we've got to do the, you know, you're on call 24 hours over the next two weeks for this ridiculous transfer portal thing for the kids to go out and declare. I think there's a window over a few more days. Like, for example, yeah, I'm still doing what I do, folks. Um, I, I'm on call right now until about the end of the one o'clock window of the NFL games today in case, you know, Noel enters the portal. I would think a couple of kids might jump from the roster outward after yesterday. And I don't think the result has anything to do with it. It's just, I think that's the nature of the beast. Then there are visits from the third to the seventh. So by about the 10th of January, we should know who we have for spring, which is good. And at that point, yes, I get antsy, but for the moment right now, there's a lot of upheaval that's coming in the next, uh, in the next week or so. I've already reached out to a mutual friend of ours to begin to get a sense of um, what we can expect. Oh, I, I don't know uh, who you reached out to, but I should also note, w- Belling Up is always brought to you by The Battle's End, thebattlesend.com. So our, our thanks to our friends at The Battle's End. It would be a good place to sign up for as Florida State needs well, to Well, that is not who I reached out to. Tom, I'm, I'm so sure I- it's not. I'm sure it is not whatsoever. Uh, but we we are truthful when we say we have enthusiasm for what the battle's end does because oh, uh, buddy. it just brought you rightfully to the playoff. It's just people in a room in Dallas said it didn't, and it's now charged with reloading on the fly, but then also helping streamline some things so we have the depth that's closer to Georgia and not what we had yesterday. I'm fascinated uh... – the battles in has been a godsend for Florida State. Obviously, they wouldn't be where they are right now. I, I would, uh, I would suggest that everybody join the battles in and, and sign up today. They're doing unbelievable things. Um, I think the nature of NIL is misunderstood to some degree by a lot of people. They feel like it's like an unlimited checkbook to just bring in players, and if your team doesn't bring those players in in the way that they. You, you'd like them to, then maybe you don't believe your collective is as strong as other collectives. There's not a stronger collective in college football than the battle's in, but it's also the NIL is for Jordan Travis. NIL is, is for uh, Jared verse. These are players that made a commitment either to come back or to come in the first place in the case of verse. And we're essentially told if you're the player that you think you can be, and we think you can be, there are real opportunities for you and we can, we can provide for you. We can help you out with those opportunities. NIL is not, Hey, you're Jerry Smith star linebacker at Michigan. Here's $400,000. Come play at Florida state. It's certainly not that for a high school kid. Well, I was going to say, uh, if that kid is a three-year letterman at Michigan and uh, all conference, right. then we could do better than 400000 all right. Well, right. There are circumstances <laughs> if you've proven yourself yeah. on the field of play in big-time college football. That is to suggest, for example, there was a linebacker who didn't play for Georgia yesterday who's now ended up at Kentucky, miraculously, who was a Butkus Award finalist last year, but somehow our linebackers coach didn't think that he would be good to go after for whatever reason. He was too heavy is what I was told whatever the fuck that means so so you know you have situations this like is, that uh, this is where philip seymour hoffman uh, hey oh oh <laughs> is that the music i think i hear the music yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like you gotta go there's yeah there are guys that you would entice although we can't induce i suppose um but yeah, but, but but not high school kids necessarily, <laughs> unless you're a once in a lifetime type player, and it's 
I guarantee. You can't induce. Um, no, not not at all. No inducement whatsoever. Please. No, it does, Please. doesn't occur. Doesn't occur here. No, no, we do it by the books. But uh, he's going to be busy. They're going to be busy, and there's a lot to to cover. But uh, mm, I don't I don't even know what to think. I need a day to not think about. All right. Florida State so right over under spring break. When is your ass coming up here? There we go. Put you on the spot. Over under when spring is, break. Hey, babe. When is spring break? <laughs> Stop it, Maggie. Maggie's welcome too. Yay! Um, well, I know when spring break is. Um, no, we're looking for the kids. I'm no, looking for the kids. Okay. The 11th through the 15th. Yeah, that matches. That matches the university. That's why I'm coming down the 19th to the 26th because I know they're going to be on the other side of it for practice. So yeah. Well. So there's a couple of things here. Next month, I'm going to see uh, Preservation Hall Jazz uh, with the family in St. Augustine. Oh, they're traveling? Oh, they're that's... coming down to St. Augustine, buddy. Oh, man. That's cool. Yeah, we're going to go to that. It's going to be awesome. Hmm. And it's on the beach. It's uh, it's not at the amphitheater. It's going to be incredible. It's Could you imagine if they bought a mention in this podcast for that? Like, that would be the smoothest read for Preservation yeah. Hall ever. But it's it's not yeah. paid for, for real. It's not. No, it's not. Although, if they'd like it to be, <laughs> we, we could do that. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then uh, after that, the following Oh, uh, my God. Month, they're playing I, here tonight. What the fuck? The Are McK- they really? The McKittrick Hotel, wherever that is. Yeah. You better take your ass to the McKittrick. But anyhow, so uh, the after that, I'm going to Las Vegas to see you two in the Sphere. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, you told me that before we before I left. That's mm-hmm. that's going to be unbelievable. It's going to be awesome. And my wife's never been to Vegas, so that'll be fun too. So we're we're going to do that, and then um, things clear up. So I'll have to see what we can do. See what we can do, buddy. I'll be up in the kids have wanted to go to New York. It's been a long time. I was in New York in 2001. That's the last time you were here. Yeah, I think that's the last time I was in New York City. Jeez. Well, yeah. Yeah. In fact, I know it was the last time I was in New York City. I was there for like 10 days in the city in Manhattan. Um, I'm assuming that was before September. Well, it had already happened. It had? um, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we went uh, and did a bunch of things, but we did not go there. Yeah, no, and we will not on this podcast. Um, (laughs) Only to say one thing I'm very excited about. Uh, I don't think I've mentioned it to you, but as we get into next year around September, uh, on those Google charity shows that we do, um, the FDNY Foundation is already approved. Nice. and, And they do this cool thing, and so I want people to sponsor me next year. Uh, where you go over, I believe it's to the stadium MetLife, but it's in honor of the firemen that day. You walk the amount of flights of stairs that they did in the towers. Holy moly, buddy. So it's a sponsored thing. It's almost like doing those um, St. Jude runs and and marathon, you know, those kinds of things. You better get to walking. I know. Well, that's all I'm going to do around here. We're going to drive twice a month to go to Costco. That's it. So, I'm talking about yeah. walking up steps. No, I know. It's it's flat as a pancake here. It's not like Tally. So I, I need to get to working. But, yes, I'm going to do um, some things. If I'm hoping people will want to sponsor me to do that because all the money goes to will. the fire department, which is oh, something I that's think, I think they will. very special. Um, so, yeah. Listen, Happy New Year uh, to you and Dr. Quinn. And uh, have a wonderful night. You know, I love you, buddy. It's been fun. It'll be fun this year. We're going to do great work. There's a lot to do. Uh, we'll do more bellying ups. Tom and I haven't had a chance, and and there'll be more to come in the very near future since things do begin to slow down a little bit. Yeah. And also, if you've not listened to a bellying up before, typically it's actually not about. Uh, I'll be honest with you, just so I don't set an unrealistic expectation. 
lot of times it's not about sports at all. A lot of times it's like whatever the fuck we're talking about. It could be a casual conversation about a yep. movie. Uh, it could be anything. So just know that it, it this time it was heavy sports. We, we will always after. mark it too to let you know. Uh, you know what it is like yeah because florida state is even rarer like sports it, it could be anything in sports so it's kind of oh right 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 state. yeah but we'll always mark it when it's fsu so when are we back on are you guys gonna do headlines tuesday are we are we doing no, i don't think we're doing headlines on tuesday like today is today's sunday tomorrow is new year's day mm-hmm. now i think the thing that we're back on to do is probably wednesday okay all right you and me I'll be ready. Um, There's a smash tomorrow night. I'm the host, so I got to find somebody uh, to hop on. Have with. fun with that, buddy. <laughs> um. <laughs> I got no problem doing that. Uh, it's uh, it's cold and dark at four o'clock, so I'm like, who wants to talk to me? Come on, uh, you you go for it. Uh, listen, I'll talk to you later. Enjoy the NFL today, right. buddy. Love you, and uh, we'll talk later. Happy New Year, Camerons. I know you can hear me in there. Happy New Year. <laughs> My wife just said Happy New Year, but the boys are in the back. They can't okay. hear you, but they'll. I'll tell him you wished him happy. You're getting a photo. I got two magnums of champagne in my wine fridge. You'll get a photo tonight around 11 o'clock as we've already killed. Nice. I like it. Sounds good. Later, brother. See you.